Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for spending part of your uh, Saturday afternoon with me. If you... If you listen regularly, then you uh, know that I was away last week. I did a um, a little quick trip to Prince Edward County, which seems to be like the hottest place in Ontario right now. No offense to all the other popular places, but I had I'd never been. So a friend and I decided that we would go up for a night, and of course, without thinking, we decided that we would do that on the uh, long weekend when it's pretty much impossible to find a place to stay. But I actually got quite lucky. A friend of mine uh, has uh, a little farmhouse up there, and so we stayed with her, but we did like the usual thing. So if you have ever you know, if you've never been to Prince Edward County, it's actually a really beautiful place to go. I didn't realize there's so many, like there's parks and there's beach all around. So we only got a quick taste of it because we were there. We were kind of like in and out in about 24 hours. Um, but we did, I think, probably the, the typical touristy things. We went to see the new Drake Devonshire, which is really beautiful in Wellington. And um, we went to Norm Hardy's winery. Uh, I... I have to say I went I went because I wanted the pizza. It wasn't so much about the wine. I was really much more drawn to the wood-fired pizza. And of course we go on the Saturday of the long weekend and thinking that we know there'll be like a 10, 15 minute wait. It was worth the wait, but bring snacks if you're ever going to do that on a Saturday. Uh, and of course, like the ice cream places were popular. Basically what I did is I went onto Facebook and I said, look, I know that this has been asked a million times. But where should I go in Prince Edward County? Then I get this like list and these all these messages like people have like their favorite places, old and new um, Slickers ice cream, which I did not get to try because it was raining the day we left and uh, we weren't prepared to wait outside. Um, but uh, great food up there! I would absolutely recommend it if you're looking for a little weekend trip or maybe just like um, overnight. Uh, it's kind of nice to be a tourist in your own province a little bit. The other thing, Olympics kicked off, so I'm not sure if you're watching it. I felt like it cre- crept up a little bit. I, I, For some reason, I was having a conversation with some friends, and I said, I feel like in previous years, there's been a lot longer lead time of buzz for the Olympics, and, and maybe it's just me, but I kind of, I felt like a lot of other stories, maybe because of the American election, who, which has definitely uh, dominated a lot of news stories, felt like all of a sudden the Olympics were here, um, but got to see part of the opening ceremonies yesterday. What about that flag bearer all greased up? Hi, did you see that? If you didn't, just Google it. He's all over the internet. Um, and then I, there's a really beautiful story going around as well. You can probably find it on Twitter and Facebook. I posted it on Facebook as well. It's about the refugee team at the Olympics, which I thought was really amazing. It's made up of several athletes who are refugees from different countries who've had to uh, train in countries that are not their homeland. And uh, there was one particular girl who was highlighted. She's a young Syrian swimmer. She swam with uh, three others who were on a sinking boat. Um, They swam for over three hours to basically push it to safety. So in total, they saved uh, 20 lives. That includes their own. And and so she's competing in the Olympics, which I thought was really amazing. So I think a lot of attention is going to be put onto some of these athletes who've basically overcome huge obstacles, which I think is also the nice thing um, about the Olympics water and all of that aside, right? Uh, So about two weeks ago, it was a time that Pokemon Go was released in Canada. It was like around that time that people were getting into it. I'd love you to text in 71010. So when I did this show two weeks ago, I kind of mentioned it because it was only about a week in Canada and I was trying to figure out who was playing it and and what the feedback was like, if it was as crazy as it has been internationally and in the States. Um, 
And uh, I'm hearing all these stories of Pokemon Go players who, because you have to walk to catch these you know, little Pokemon on your on your phone, the people are getting a lot more exercise. They're exploring new areas uh, around them, new neighborhoods. One guy in in uh, Toronto, he's 24 years old. He lost 25 pounds. Like the game has only been out for a month. He's so in three and a half weeks, he has walked. Oh my God, 266 kilometers, and he's lost 25 pounds. Um, so who says games keep people from, you know, being active? If you've got a, you know, if you if you have an experience playing Pokemon, good or bad, I suppose, uh, text in 71010. I know two weeks ago, someone was saying that it was getting their dad out and being active. Someone else was like actually taking their dog out for longer walks. So I guess that's the um, the positive part. I don't know if people are socializing when they're out, though, because I feel like they're always looking down at their phones. Um, so, yeah, feel free to text in during the show. 7 10 10. Um, also, I'm just looking through my thing. Oh, for those of you who keep up to date on my family, bless you, those of you who are nice enough to ask me about them, um, then you know about my relationship with my mother. Uh, again, bless. Uh, so my mom sent me, actually, no, she FaceTimed me on the weekend, and she said, you know, I have some time at the this summer. I can come visit you. And I said, okay, well, look into flights. So um, I sent her the very next day a couple of like flight options, and she said, yes, you can book it. And this is the best part of the the email. Remember that English is my mother's second language, and she's never really had to write, so her emails to me are always very short. And she said, yes, you can book it. Use my MasterCard or use yours. Here's the thing. I don't know her MasterCard number, and she knows that. So guess who just paid to have their mom come and criticize them for three days later this summer. You'll hear all about it. Um, Also, coming up on the show, I don't know about you, but it makes my day when a barista will take like a few extra moments to draw a nice little heart in my coffee foam, you know, for my latte or my cappuccino. And uh, I'm always really impressed. I'm like, ooh, it's a heart. Ooh, it's two hearts. Ooh. It's a leaf. Um, But I met a guy who is known as the Da Vinci of coffee art. His name is Michael Breach. He is the most amazing, talented coffee artist I can think of. His story is really interesting. It starts off like most people who just were doing it for fun and practicing. He's been flown all over the world. He's been on all kinds of big shows in the States. He's met celebrities. He does portraits in coffee art. And at first, you're probably thinking, like, maybe it looks kind of like an emoji. No, it's a very realistic looking portrait that he does of you, of your pet, of your family, whatever it is. I'm going to talk to him. I'm also going to give you a chance to win a gift card to the new Natrell Milk Bar by Java U, which is a new cafe that's opened downtown Toronto in the West End. So keep listening for your chance to win. And if you want to know more about gluten-free, Dr. Dina Kulik, who's a pediatrician, a mom, and someone living with celiac disease, she'll be on to talk about affordable gluten-free options, also what to look for and where gluten sometimes hides in your food. So if you're someone who's allergic or has a sensitivity, you want to tune in and hear my conversation with her. Um, but first, my first guest who is in studio is um, is having a really cool event tomorrow. It's part of his Almanac Farmers series. And I've got Chef Kevin in the studio with me. Kevin Castanagay. 
Cast, on, cast on gay. Cast on gay. Yeah. I was like, I took a big we deep breath. This. We yeah. did practice, and then I got nervous. <laughs> no, um, okay. So you are with Provisions to Yo Catering and Events That's Company, correct. right? So this is your third year doing uh, this event. It happens to be taking place um, on the island, but I love the sort of overall feeling of the event, which is that you're supporting local farmers and producers. That's correct. That's correct. So every year uh, we change the idea behind it. We change the theme. We change the talent that uh, is a part of the uh, dinner itself. Uh, all the farmers donate their produce, and it gives a sh- it gives the chefs a chance to uh, show their their culinary talents and create something beautiful with the product that we're lucky to have here in Toronto and the surrounding areas. Now, what we're going to talk about after the break, too, I think is um, going to be really interesting to a lot of people who love barbecuing, smoking, cooking outdoors, because what you'll be doing is like like open pit? Mostly outside, yeah. Yeah. So is that usually you're doing a whole animal, right? When you're we're doing, doing an open pit? We're doing whole pigs. We're doing a massive clam bake. Uh, we're doing uh, our dessert course is bread cooked on an open fire with cheese being melted over the open fire. Uh, so there's a lot of outdoor cooking. Absolutely. Now, are, I guess you would be quite experienced in cooking outdoors? Uh, we, it's, it's more, it's fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of chefs are wanting to get outside and use the earth a little bit, use primitive measures in cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gives us a sense of pride, you know, take us away from the kitchen, get us outside, get the community together. So much fun. In a way, it's sort of, um, it seems complicated when you, when I think about cooking outside, but it's really the simplest way to cook because you're not using, there's nothing fancy right. about it, right? Right, right. You're allowing, you're allowing the elements to do the job for you. A little bit of seasoning goes a long way. Use the freshest ingredients you can. Talk to your butchers, talk to your fishmongers, you know, learn what's in season, learn what they have that's fresh. Ask them, when did that come in? I come in yesterday? Perfect. Mm-hmm. I'll have that. Let that dictate what your menu is. And I, I think a lot of people um, are getting more educated in terms of what's yeah. available e- yeah. locally and seasonally. Yep, absolutely. Well, there's a lot more literature out there. There's a lot more just emphasis on, on seasonality. There's a lot uh, uh, just generally... A lot more, um, a lot more literature for sure. Well, uh, I've mentioned it a few times that this has been the first year in several years that I've had access to an outdoor space. So I have a balcony. I've got Correct, my full, yeah. you know, three burner gas barbecue out there. And it was actually another guest on the show um, who was telling. Actually, it was uh, they were talking about preserves and canning, but they Correct, were talking yeah. and they said, "Well, you know that you can just like." smoke with a little piece of foil and a couple of wood chips. And my mind was blown because when I got my barbecue, all of a sudden I was like, I'm a grill master. I'm going to like, I'm going to be the master of this barbecue and outdoor cooking. And then I started, you know, uh, looking at smokers. Like, I mean, I don't have the space for something like a big green egg. That's also quite an investment. But, you know, from talking to people who love to cook outdoors, I've learned that there are very cheap and simple ways to do it. Um, And then also the, you know, the ways that you can smoke for people who are more serious. So you're going to share some tips. Okay. Uh, after the break, and we'll okay. talk more about that. So you're listening to the Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Now, back to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in today and uh, joining me for the show. You can always catch up on podcasts, uh, paychen.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram at Paychen. By the way, Instagram's new feature, Stories. Um, if you want to waste more of your day, you can just 
see me posting random little videos, mostly about my balcony. That's so far, that's kind of how it's been. I'm like, look, I'm growing kale. Look, I'm crushing eggshells into my garden. Uh, Chef Kevin is with me. He's from Provisions TO, catering and events company. We're talking about uh, outdoor cooking uh, to tie in with your Almanac series of events that you do. So before the break, we were um, talking about uh, sort of cooking outdoors, barbecuing, and smoking, which I feel like has become uh, more of a popular trend for people at home in recent years. And a lot of the restaurants that are popping up in the city are actually barbecue joints. That's right. That's right. It, it, is, it does seem to be a trend. But I'm happy Toronto is going down that line. Uh, it's been years since we've had a great barbecue shop. I think it started from, you know, uh, stockyards on uh, St. Clair oh, West, right. remember? Yeah. Yep. Um, and you know, shops in Kensington Market, J&J Barbecue are doing a fantastic job and all over the all over town. And you know, there is a lot of people trying to do it at home and there are a few good ways and some points to remember is to take it slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you are, like you said you wanted to take your, you know, broil king and build that into a a smoker. Mm-hmm. That would be a great idea. Uh, you just have to, you know, think of three main elements. A smoker is generally something that is a as a unit. Yeah, you're encompassing the meat. You're you you're you're encasing your 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 a joint of meat. Mm-hmm. So the the barbecue itself is that case. Right. You need to add oxygen. There has to be flow. Oh, okay. So it can't be airtight. Oh, because here I thought that would be better. Like no, because because you have to feed. Yeah, well, we, well, oxygen. The fire or smoke needs oxygen mm-hmm. for it to continue to go. So it will just fizzle out if there is no oxygen at all. I'm sorry, oxygen at all. And the right. beautiful thing about these uh, broil kings is there's holes along the sides of the mm-hmm. unit on the side on the bottom of the barbecue. There's holes right where you go to to ignite it if you don't have a self igniter. Uh, and at that point, so. At that point, then yours, there's a million little tricks on how to, you know, prepare wood chips or what kind of wood chips are better for you. Right, because I don't really know where to start. I just know that smoking involves wood. Right. That is uh, lit right. and <laughs> produces well, smoke. Okay, and therefore, so, you put meat in there. But, like, other than that, I have no concept of, 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 how it, of, of how it happens. Of how to do it and to do it well because I realize it yeah. takes time. So for me, I think, well, this is a bit of a time investment. Uh, time. There's money invested. You could be getting a really great cut of meat perhaps. Yeah. And then at the end of it, I'm just terrified that I've, I'll, I'll ruin it. <laughs> I think patience is something that uh, you have to really understand. Okay. It is going, takes time. It takes time. And you can't go, you know, you can't set it and go golfing. You have to kind of baby it, not where you're lifting up the lid and taking a look at it, but mm-hmm. baby it in a way where you're thinking, okay, well, what's the temperature? Right. You don't want it to go above a certain amount of temperature. You need it to go, you know, not past two or, or, or sorry, 135 Celsius because you're going to start getting into high heat. And what that can do to the meat is contracted and, and it can become tough. So when you have beautiful succulent brisket, mm-hmm. it's because it's been beautifully smoked gently and not overly for a long, long period of time. So let's talk about ideal cuts of meat if you're going to smoke at home. So whether it's on your, whether it's with your barbecue uh, or maybe you have a smoker, because I know there's different uh, levels in terms of price for smokers. They can be pretty inexpensive if you want, right. if you want that, but you can also go up to- Oh, there's lots of DIY, DIY options yeah. as well. I've heard of people converting uh, clay flour, uh, sorry, 
clay flower pots into smokers. Kidding? Yeah, because you get the ones, you know, the, they have the little the, hole in the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right, and, you, and and you get the big ones. Yes, not the little ones you can put on your your window. So yeah, you get the big ones, and and they usually come with <laughs> a plate that they sit on top. Yeah, right, a little saucer. Well, you just take that saucer, and now you put it on top, and it no. fits perfectly on top. And you stick a thermometer on the top of that. Yeah. So you get a, and I've heard of you getting electrical, mm-hmm. you know, the electrical uh, plates, mm-hmm. you know, you can put a pot on it. Oh, like a hot like plate. Like at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you put that in the bottom. Yeah. Then you put your wood chips on top of that. It's starting to so sound like a fire hazard. The yeah, big time. Do this outside <laughs> with a long extension cord. Absolutely. <laughs> at least 20 feet. Um, <laughs> and then you put that on top. So that that's your heat source. Right. And then you put a, a rack inside. Oh my God. This is <laughs> right. And then you put your meat on there. And I mean, there's tons of DIY. Ha- I'm like sure you can go like onto that. YouTube and you can yeah, find different ways. Sure. And all I would say is like, make sure you stay home when you're doing this. <laughs> yeah. Don't go but anywhere. There are the simple ways. So I know that uh, it's, let's talk about wood chips, I guess. Okay. So, so you can go from size, size kind of matters when it comes to wood chips because you want to think about how long you're smoking for. So mm-hmm. if you're smoking for a long time, might be better for you to get dried uh, hardwood uh, sticks and twigs and things like that. What would be considered a long time? So from six to, I would say six to 12 hours. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, and if you have sausages, generally you don't need to smoke them that long. No. 20 minutes, hours, fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, pork, pork ribs, baby back ribs, mm-hmm. three hours. That's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you don't need to actually smoke it the full amount of time you're cooking it mm-hmm. because you can risk uh, ac- like the taste of acrid mm. with over smoke. Right. So you, a general rule of thumb is if you're cooking for six hours, half that amount of time is. Is, a, is, is, is smoke. Okay. Is smoke. All right. And then cuts of meat. You've mentioned ribs is great. Ribs, brisket, short rib. Uh, you can do, you know, turkey breasts. You can do uh, sausages, links. Yeah. Uh, you I feel can, like that's good for a beginner because it's not. Yeah. Start, I would start there and low. Again, low heat. Mm-hmm. Let that, let, let a low heat and time dictate your final product. So you need to have some air flowing in there, but you're not supposed to be checking it all the time. No, because the then you're, when you're barbecue, right? Yeah, you're yeah, you're, you're, you're releasing it. So you get your chips. Mm-hmm. I would like you can you can try smoke or sorry, um, soaking them. Yeah. People have smoked them in beer or apple cider or mm-hmm. apple juice or whatever. I don't. I find no difference. Um, and then you can make like a little pouch. Yep. With tin foil mm-hmm. and poke holes in it, and you can put that directly over your 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 flames inside your broil king mm-hmm. and turn it gently on and then once it starts to billow smoke and then you can turn it off so you have to go back and forth because you generally oh. you don't want the heat like you're gonna you on one side of your barbecue is going to be the chips on yeah. the other side of the barbecue is going to be your heat source okay the heat source is only going to stay on enough to turn your chips on, mm-hmm. but you don't want it to always be on because you're going to burn through everything quickly, and then you have your chance of that acrid taste that you don't want. This is why I hear stories of people, uh, friends who say, you know, um, <laughs> their husband or whoever goes out at like in the middle of the night and is checking on the smoker yeah. like, hour and Dedication. a half. Like they set the alarm through the night to make <laughs> sure that their meat is perfect. I love that guy. <laughs> I love that guy. 
<laughs> that yeah. guy did a beautiful uh, smoked turkey at uh, Thanksgiving once that I got yeah. to have. And I was like, wow. And he's like, I get up every hour and a half. Oh, like, see, that's amazing. passion. It is yeah. great. Um, Kevin, thank you so much. So if people want to keep on top of when your next event is, what's the best way to, to Oh, you, you can follow us at, at ProvisionsTL. We always post everything on there mm-hmm. on our website at ProvisionsTL.com. It's a good way to get in touch with us. Okay, great. And a, a listener just texted and said, keep a fire extinguisher handy. Tr- very true and a very good tip. Thanks <laughs> so much. Safety first. Yes, yeah, safety first. We're taking a quick break here on the Pay Chen Show. You're listening to In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. More with Pay Chen on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I don't know about you, but I always get a kick out of seeing a little heart or a perfectly drawn leaf in the milk foam of my cappuccino or latte. It's just something that kind of like, you know, brings a little smile to your face, even when it's crazy early in the morning. So it always makes me want to walk really carefully with it. Like I, I want to look at it for as long as I can, you know, not ruin it. Uh, so if you are impressed by things like the little heart or the fern drawn in your uh, latte, then you really would be blown away by the uh, coffee art done by Michael Breach. He's known as the Da Vinci of uh, coffee art, and he's a world-famous coffee artist. He's on the line with me. Hi, Michael. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. And I have to say that uh, when I, after, you know, seeing your work uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I just feel like... My mind was my world was open up in terms of coffee art because I, I I think the most impressive thing I had seen up until that point was a snowman. Oh wow! <laughs> so you know you were really really impressed me. So um, Michael, we met because you were in town uh, for a, a little event that I had been hosting. So it was the opening of the new uh, Natrell Milk Bar by Java U. So the new cafe that's down at Queen and Dover Court, but. Uh, what I found was so interesting was your own story. You were someone who, you know, it's not like you go to school for coffee art, right? No, definitely not. And that's kind of one of the things that inspired me to start doing it was because it was something I'd never seen before. And it was just like a really interesting way to challenge myself and to also just like challenge the limits of what I could do with coffee and latte art in general. No, I had uh, a few friends who uh, saw the portrait that you did of me, and I didn't realize that there were so many kind of people at home who were kind of experimenting. A lot of people have, you know, fairly decent espresso machines and things at home and, mm-hmm. and were, you know, curious about trying to improve their skills, and it made me realize that that's sort of your story. You were, uh, I think you were just, you were working at a hotel in New York, was that it, and you are just killing time? Yes, I was actually, I was working at a hotel in New York, and you know, I was really, it's kind of funny, when I first moved to New York, I'm originally from Maryland, um, on my resume was, I want to learn how to do latte art. You know? <laughs> that was on your resume? <laughs> yeah, that was on my resume the first time, and I was like, okay, and so I ended up getting this job, and um, I just kind of taught myself on YouTube. I went on and like learned designs and things like that. I learned what worked and what didn't work. And eventually I ended up learning all of those designs, and then I ended up getting into the idea of doing etching, mm-hmm. and which is a form of latte art where you just kind of add a little bit of espresso here and there when you're doing it. Oh, and that's what and, gives it the depth, right? Like, and a little bit of, um, like, a, what, like yeah, a like, dimension. Right, like some of the simpler designs of etching are like teddy bears and, and things like that. Um, I started doing those, and I was like, oh, this is cool. But then I sort of hit a wall, and I was like, oh, what can I do next? You know, what can I do? So I just started experimenting and learning, you know, again, what works and what doesn't work. You know, you have to use, like, 
high quality, you know, coffee and good milks, you know, like the Natrell stuff that I was using mm-hmm. over at the coffee bar. Like there's, you know, just, you have to use like really good materials to get good latte art. Now for, um, I guess people who are curious, does it work with like skim milk, for example, or does it have to be something with a better, you know, fat content or cream? Are there like... Generally, yeah, generally, generally like higher fat content works better. Like something with worth like eight grams of protein and a serving, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally something higher quality because I've used like lower quality like milks before, and they just don't stand up as well when they get when they like heat them up and you steam them and texturize them. Oh right, and and um, also like I noticed. Um, so I guess I should let listeners know uh, what Michael's really known for. What you sort of carved out for yourself was this niche in doing people's portraits in, you know, the milk, yeah. uh, the milk foam. <laughs> and they might be like, oh, okay, he does porch. I'm like, no, 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 you should go. Like, so your website is, um, barista art. So B A R I S T A R T.com. And you can see yes. some of Michael's work there and it's really quite beautiful. And then watching you do your work when we were at the, at the milk bar was really cool. Cause you're, you're pretty fast and it looked, you made it look really easy. <laughs> Well, it was, I mean, it's easy for me now at this point because I've just, you know, I do so many um, gigs just doing this for people. And the, you know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about it is that when I first was doing portraits, I didn't even know how to do a portrait. You know, people were like, oh, are you able to draw my face in a coffee? And I just said, yes. And I <laughs> gave it a try and I said, you know, let me see if I can do it or not. You know, it's, it's really, it, I think it's important for people, especially like creatives to do things that they don't think they can do. At least just give it a try. Don't just say, Oh, I don't know how to do this. Well, it's definitely you a different know, medium. Now, were you like a, a bit of an artist beforehand? Like, did you sketch? Did you do like, you know, paper or like um, pencil drawings? Like, were you able to do caricatures you know, of people or? Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like not really. Like I've always known how to draw. And it was one of those things I kind of took for granted because I didn't have to learn how to draw. I just sort of knew. I think it was just something that runs in my family. I was just inclined to do it. So I didn't really ever sketch or anything because I already just knew I could. But mm-hmm. when I started working with coffee and I started working with those materials and learning how to manipulate milk and coffee together to create you know, certain effects that I was going for, that's when I really started getting into art again. So I think it's just sort of I found my medium with that. Well, it's it's a unique one, and I don't think you've got um, a ton of <laughs> competition at your level. So you actually, so you were playing around, you were working at this hotel. Uh, when it was slow, you were just kind of fooling around. You are posting your photos to social media, and it's kind of, it's mm-hmm. just crazy in this past decade. You know, so many people kind of just luck into being discovered online, and then you started getting booked for gigs around the world. Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of a funny thing. I kept seeing people take pictures of coffee. Yeah. I was like, why don't I just get them something to really take a picture of? You know, yeah. like, this can take a picture of this. Like, why don't I just go out, you know, go out of my way? And the funny thing is actually the job that I was working, I was working late at night and posting them on social media. And what I didn't realize is I was getting a huge following, like, in Australia and in the Southern Hemisphere because they were waking up to my coffee pictures. Oh, interesting. When, <laughs> yeah, when I was posting them. So my first gigs, you know, my first actual paid jobs as a quote, you know, coffee artist were in Australia and in South Africa, which was really cool. You know, wow. I went from yeah, you know, I went from being a busboy barista at a hotel <laughs> to being an artist traveling within like a year of doing this. Wow. It, it, it's just really amazing what can happen and you know, there there are good things and bad things about everything. And you know, sometimes people say this or that about social media, but 
it can be used for good. It can be used as a platform for creatives and people to really show off what they're doing, you know? Yeah, for, for sure. Now, what about um, coffee trends? Have you know, like, is there something that really stood out to you in your travels that you thought was quite different? Um, there, are, there are a lot of really funky things going on right now, like the rainbow coffees with the food dye. Those are kind of fun. I've been oh, experimenting yeah. more with color myself, just, you know, really getting into it. Like my Instagram, the last one I posted was a really cool Jared Leto as the Joker, and it's all, it's like in full color. And oh, like, wow. I was, surprised. <laughs> I was even surprised myself when I saw it. I was like, wow, this is this is just too much. And I've seen some other things. There's this really funny picture online of... Um, like a coffee rosetta being poured into like a hole in the ground. Yeah. Okay. Like this ultimate tipster latte. There's another thing I've seen was the uh, the coffee's being poured into like a ice cream cone. Oh yes, I've seen that, but not yeah, here. I've seen it on I've seen it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. I think it was um, it was in South Africa actually. Okay. Cool. Now I know yeah, that you also so. um, helped design the Toronto latte. So this was at that at the uh, Natrell Milk Bar uh, by Java U. So what what was what did what was involved with that? Helping design that latte, um, it just had a lot to do with coming up with a good way to do the skyline and everything like that, using the maple milk and the blueberry flavors and everything like that to really bring that to life. And that it's really interesting. We don't have that kind of milk in, in the States, really. So and I, I love the lattes with the maple milk. That's awesome. It's so much better than adding maple syrup or something to a coffee. Oh, yeah. The maple milk definitely blew my mind. And I was getting, I was everyone that walked in, I was like, just so you know, there's maple milk available for your <laughs> coffee. I think that was what stood out for me. Michael, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. So for your, I've also got uh, three prize packs to give away. It includes a $20 gift card to the new Natrell Milk Bar by Java U, and that is located at 1092 Queen Street West, which is Queen Street West and Dover Court. And it includes a coffee mug as well. So three of those prize packs to give away for your chance to win. You can text in 71010, first and last name. Also, your full mailing address, please. And you can enter up until the end of the show. And uh, just be aware that it is one location that's downtown in the West End, and and uh, that's where you could use your $20 gift card. We are taking a quick break here on the Paychen Show. Back after this. You're listening to the Paychen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, just a reminder, you can uh, text in at 71010 for your chance to win one of three prizes that I'm giving away to the new Natrell Milk Bar by Java U, which is downtown at Queen and Dover Court. So it's a $20 gift card that you can use there, plus a really snazzy coffee mug. So you can text in at 71010, first and last name, and your mailing address so that we can send that to you, and you can get out there and enjoy it for yourself. And you can enter up until the end of the show. So I was uh, teasing up earlier about um, gluten-free. I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends actually have gluten sensitivity. A few of my friends have celiac. And sometimes navigating the world of gluten-free can be a little bit confusing. So I've got Dr. Dina Kulik on the phone. She's a pediatrician, mom, and someone who's living with celiac disease. Hello, Dr. Dina. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Now, I didn't real so I'm familiar with you, but I didn't realize that you um, live with celiac disease. I do, yes. I was diagnosed in my 20s after many, many years, basically from childhood, having some intolerance of sorts. I didn't quite know what it was. I was told it was irritable bowel syndrome for a Mm -hmm. long time, and 
in med school, I started to realize that I was quite sensitive to particular foods, um, those being wheat and barley and rye, and then put two and two together and then started um, a quest to figure it out. Oh, so now I guess for people who don't know, what is the difference between celiac and someone who has a bit of a gluten intolerance or, or a gluten sensitivity? So I think many, many people have difficulty digesting fully, particularly wheat. So that'd be the main thing that's gluten-containing. And so some people will get bloating or diarrhea, sometimes constipation, just difficulty with digestion. Um, and that's the same symptoms you get with celiac. But with celiac disease, you have true markers for an illness that the potential is to damage the bowel. So we think with gluten sensitivity, you're not really fully damaging the bowel. You're just irritating it enough that you have symptoms. Whereas if you have true celiac, there's actually risk long-term of serious inflammation leading to potential bowel cancers, in fact. But I do think that there's probably a huge continuum, like mm-hmm. many things in medicine, where you could be a little bit sensitive and become more sensitive or less sensitive over time. Right. And I think the tests are ever-evolving as well. So there's probably going to be more, you know, kind of better testing um, over time and, you know, being able to avoid, you know, endoscopy, which is um, the standard of care in terms of diagnosis. Now, I know that uh, gluten is, is very obvious in certain products. So a lot of people, when they think of like gluten or avoiding gluten, it's like, oh, well, it's the baked goods. You know, it's, it's your bread, it's your cake, it's the muffin, it's the stuff with wheat in it. But um, yeah, as someone who's kind of, you know, who has friends who need to avoid gluten, uh, started to become aware that it hides in other things that aren't as obvious. Absolutely, yeah. So we do typically think about, you know, wheat flour as being the main source of gluten, and that really is true in the Western world. But things like soy, anything with malt in, in the word, oh. anything malted um, mm-hmm. is uh, gluten-containing. Many soups and sauces have added flours and other things that um, make them gluten-containing. Anything fried, crispy, coated, unless otherwise designated as gluten-free, those things all have sources of gluten in them. A lot of the delicious things. <laughs> a lot of really delicious things. But the good thing is there's so many amazing sources of gluten-free products now, like any grocery store, many bakeries, mm-hmm. especially you know if you're lucky to grow up in a, you know, in a big city. Um, many restaurants cater to gluten-free now. There's so many different you know, products on the shelf. And all you do is you look for something that says you know, gluten-free, um, non-gluten-containing, and particularly things that are not made in facilities where um, there's other gluten-containing gluten-containing products made. So um, the facility itself has to be gluten-free, so there's no cross-contamination with other gluten-containing products. Well, and that's particularly important for someone with celiac disease, right? Like someone who is who has a strong reaction to gluten. It's I know that for some friends, it's um, it's like oh, it's okay if it touched or something like that. But for someone who really can't have it, then you are you have to look for something that really reassures you that there's been no cross-contamination. It's super important. So, for example, you can go to the grocery store and buy oats, which are typically non-gluten-containing, but if they're made in a facility where they're using other grains like wheat or barley or rye that are gluten-containing and there is cross-contamination, you can react to those oats. So there's companies out there like Quaker that make gluten-free oats, meaning a gluten-free facility that makes sure that you're not going to get cross-contaminated. So you look for those kind of companies and those kind of products. Is there a certain um, designation or is it you just have to believe that the, the claim as it's printed on the package? No, there is a designation. You, you'll see, you'll see, like kind of a stamp of approval. Okay, and then that's how yeah. you'll know that it's like safe from any Absolutely. any trace yeah. of, of gluten or what. Um, what about, I guess, more affordable gluten free options for people? I really think that there's most things you can buy that are gluten free. So what people don't necessarily realize is that any fruit 
any vegetable, any protein is naturally gluten-free. So there's no restriction in those kinds of things at all. Dairies are gluten-free. You're really just thinking about wheat, barley, and rye, which are not in that many things. Barley and rye are not super common things we eat in our diet. And then wheat is just replaced with things like rice flour or tapioca flour or gluten-free oats, etc. There's lots of different products out there. And if you bake things yourself, like I just used gluten-free oats this morning mm-hmm. to make some muffins. And it's just that simple. You use the exact same muffin recipe you would otherwise make, but you make it with gluten-free oats. Or you could do the same with quinoa. There's just so many other gluten-free grains available to make whatever it is that you're making. And, and lots and lots of options now on the, on the grocery shelves. It's such a common thing now that you know companies are making so many products. Unfortunately, they're still typically more expensive than uh, non-gluten-free products. But because there's so many people on these gluten-free diets, there's so many more products available. Well, it's interesting because uh, grow- when I was growing up in the 80s, a friend of mine had celiac disease. And so we never really understood it. We just knew that my friend Heather couldn't have bread. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were, she really had no options. There was right. no, like, you know, we lived in a small town. There there weren't, um, you know, shelves of gluten-free products available for her. So you're right. Like nowadays, you can pretty much find a gluten-free alternative to yeah. most things. Even in small cities, like, you know, most Loblaws and superstores and there's so many places, even like Rexall, I saw a gluten-free aisle a couple of days ago. There's really lots and lots of choices now. And in terms of bread, like I get a different kind of bread every couple of weeks just to try different options. Yeah. There's <laughs> they're so not all good. <laughs> they're not all good. They're much better when they're toasted, I have to yeah. say. But there are some really good ones out there for sure. And then I do a lot of baking myself. So I just use my own gluten-free flours and oats, et cetera, and, and make my own. Um, I would also like to reiterate for for some people. I know some people who have who don't actually have um, gluten problems, but they assume that because something is gluten free, that it's almost like a free for all. Like um, yes. so, they indul- and it, dri- it actually it drives me nuts. But it's almost like they'll see something that says gluten free muffin or like you know vegan muffin and it's gluten free, and they'll be like, oh well, that's great, and they'll eat it without thinking of the fact that it actually can still have a lot of crap in it. For sure. So gluten-free is not the same thing as calorie-free or healthy necessarily. There's still tons of sugar or butter or, you know, lots of unhealthy things in there, which isn't to say to avoid them entirely. But, you know, gluten-free does not mean healthy necessarily. It just means it's not containing wheat or barley or rye. Like, that's pretty much all it means. There's going to be lots and lots of calorie-containing things in there. It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean eat six cookies. <laughs> no, though I would love if that was true. It would be nice. Yeah, it would be really yeah. great if that was the the uh, the option and we had. Cookies. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Doctor Kulik. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, so, if you want to find out more uh, information on the show, you can always go to my website, paychen.com, and uh, you can keep your texts coming in. I'll take your entries for the next few minutes for those prize packs for the new Nutrell Milk Bar by Java U. It's a $20 gift card and a coffee mug. So, thanks to those of you who've texted in, first and last name, and your full mailing address, if you could. And um, I found this the story on Facebook yesterday. And, Mike, do we have that little audio clip? Um, so, I'll, I'll just set it up. So, yesterday, somebody had had kind of reposted something and it was about the NASA Curiosity rover. So that little, that little robot on Mars and it said the saddest thing. So someone had taken a photo and it looks like it was taken from um, like a brochure or like a poster or something. And it says, did you know alone on Mars, the Curiosity rover sings itself happy birthday every year on August 5th, because it was on August 5th, I think 2012, that it the Curiosity rover launched 
uh, onto Mars. And this is basically, and then someone you looked onto YouTube, like CNN, to find a clip to see if this was true. And this is what the little uh, Curiosity rover plays itself on Mars. The little robot all bites. I don't know why when I read it, I almost cried. And maybe even now I'm like, I'm getting teary because I feel so bad that that little robot has to play itself. Happy birthday every year. Aww. Every Oh, I know. I am actually tearing up because I feel so bad for it. And someone said it uh, reminded them of Wally, I guess, that movie about the little robot. Um, anyway, so happy birthday to the Curiosity rover. Uh, no, uh, if there are, if there's life on Mars, then they would have heard him play his little song and maybe they celebrated with him. You can dream, right? All right, have a great weekend, everyone, and um, just enjoy the good weather while we have it. And I'll be back next Saturday. Thanks again for your contest entries, and I'll be notifying the winners very soon.